great day, amazing human. Welcome to the Empowered In My Skin podcast, where our mission is to help 1 billion people in this world think in more empowering ways. Empower humans, empower humans. So you are in the right spot to become a lead domino for empowerment today. My name is Inke Chi. I'm not only your host, but I am a vibrant optimist obsessed to bring you empowering content with each episode. We will be bringing you content alternating between longer episodes with feature guests and shorter episodes called Empowering Bites, where I'll be joined by my co-host, Gabby Mamone. So if you're ready, let the show begin. Yes, great day. Amazing humans. Welcome to the next episode of Empowered of My Skin, the podcast. Our next guest is renowned for expertise in both luxury and Gen Z trends. She brings a unique blend of insights to the stage with a deep understanding of luxury client archetypes and effective luxury selling techniques. She offers actionable strategies for brands aiming to captivate modern audiences. As a speaker, she covers decoding Gen Z's consumer behavior, hmm, crafting compelling luxury narratives, navigating diverse luxury client archetypes, and enhancing luxury sales approaches. She's spoken at over 30 cities, including at J.P. Morgan, said Oxford Business School, Harrods, the Eiffel Tower, Paris, at the Inner Circle Experience in Florence, Italy, Guaranteed Trust Bank, Lagos, Nigeria, and the Cabinet Office. So I trust that you're excited as I am to learn more about our guests. So please join me in a big, gigantic podcast welcome for Elizabeth Salaru. <laughs> Yay, the crowds are screaming. <laughs> so hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Thank so you. excited to be here today. Thank you so much. And for context, for all of our guests that are listening, they know that I record on the East Coast. Do you want to let the world know where you're tuning in from today? I'm based in London, UK. Awesome. So it's like seven o'clock. We established it's about seven. It's in the evening for her. It's afternoon for me. I asked her, how's this day doing so far? So I know what I can look forward to. <laughs> So um, just to start you off easy, what is your most empowering thought that you've had for today so far? Oh, gosh. Uh, Oh, that's a nice one. What a way to start. Um, It's the fact that I can do anything, no matter how how gloomy things seem, Mm. I can do anything. And there, you know, we and it was really weird. I was thinking we actually have a lot more power than we think we have. So yeah, that was my most empowering thought for today, actually. I love that. I spoke at an event yesterday and I, I remember one of the things, I can't remember um, what topic we were going into, but before I started, it was almost around that theme where I said, you know, I just want you to know you've had, for, no, everyone here, I don't assume that everyone here hasn't gone through challenges and struggles, but think about it, you have like a hundred percent success rate of getting through through it, right? So that's a pretty, you're batting a hundred. I think I heard, I might have been Steve Harvey that I heard say that one time. I loved it. So what can you tell us more about who you are? Because I truly believe like for what I spoke about in your bio, um, there's a journey that has gone you there. So can you share a little bit about that, please? Oh, gosh. Um, so I'll give you a little potted history about myself. Oh. I started my, I'll start with my career because people find that a bit intriguing. I started my career as a scientist. So I was a microbiologist. I was working in a lab. I worked in some of the best hospitals in London. 
And then I remember a colleague of mine, because in labs, you sit across from one another. Mm. We have a massive lab, um, like a bench mm -hmm. uh, in the middle. So you sit across from each other. And the way the rotor is done, you might sit across that person for six weeks at a time. So again, you, you know, you chat and chat and chat. And I remember having this conversation for the nth time with this person about what she was going to have for dinner. And I thought to myself, this is not how my life ends. I just realized there was a lot I wanted to do. And yes, I did love being a scientist. And I was at a point in my career where I was in the same job for seven years. I wasn't promoted. And I thought, this is not how my life ends. I need, there's more to my life than this. And shortly after, maybe a couple of days later, I resigned my job with nowhere else to go. I enrolled in an MBA, as you do. I don't know why. I just thought, you know, the, the Nigerian in me thought. You know, I need more education. I need more education. As if, you know, several degrees wasn't enough. So enrolled in an MBA, resigned. And two days later, I got a call. Well, it was, I didn't personally get the call, but the, the phone in the, in the lab rings, the nearest person to it, you pick up. I happened to walk past, picked it up on the second ring. And it was an agency asking if I would be interested or anybody would be interested in working for them as a locum. And that's how I got my job that, you know, I locum in all over the country. What's while, a lo locum? Are you spelling? Is it spell locum means temporary. So I was doing temporary. Mm -hmm. like, um, uh, what's the word for it in America? Like um, doing a temp, you know, temporary yeah. job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so you go from place to place, you work in a lab. And that's how I got a job. That's how I funded my MBA. Okay. And that, so, and then after I did the MBA, um, I talked my way into a job in the city, became a headhunter. So I started recruiting chief executives and finance directors, never having run a lemonade stand ever. But I networked so hard over the, you know, while I was doing my MBA, I was so relentless, relentless. I got another job in between, but I'll talk about that later. But most important thing was that that job helped me get a job as a headhunter. And then I did the headhunting for a number of years. And then again, um, there was a massive crash in the city, 2008. We all remember that. And then I, then I, then I lost my job. And I just thought to myself, again, this is not how my story ends. Mm -hmm. I need to follow my passion. So I started making cakes. And um, again, there's a massive story there of how I got into the luxury world, because if you think about it, eggs, butter, sugar, milk, whatever, flour, um, they're just basic ingredients. But whatever what you can do with them will determine whether you um, are considered to be an artiste, an elite, etc. Again, power of networking, um, desperate measures. I did certain things that other people weren't doing. And then I networked my way and then I started finding out a lot more about the luxury world. Mm. And here we are today. So that's my potted history, as it were. So, so, so first of all, what do you think it was? So what's in you like that um, you believe is um, has either come out more and more as you, as you embark, as your, as your journey continues to unfold, like what is it unlocking or what is it revealing about you? Um, that's a very good question because um, if I honestly thought, because when I was at school, university, I honestly thought I was going to 
become a professor. I always loved, I loved books. I was called brain box when I was in school. Um, I loved school. Absolutely. Because for me, school was an escape. So I honestly thought I was going to be a professor. I honestly thought I was going to die in a library. Um, so the scientist job was the was the closest. Mm-hmm. But what then happened was, um, and again, I'm not saying it's because I'm a woman of color or whatever, because I don't believe in self-limiting beliefs at mm-hmm. all. But I'm so thankful now for the many opportunities that I was trying to reach for that were blocked. Mm. Because if those paths were not blocked, I would have been, yeah. I'd have retired in the lab, died in the lab. Yeah. I'd have been, I'd have been happy. Um, I would have been, ha- well, content. I would yeah. have been, you know, yeah. happy-ish, uh, secure, comfortable, maybe. So for me, the fact that certain opportunities were blocked made me find another way, made me think, okay, maybe I, I'm not given, given an opportunity there maybe I can do it over there Mm. and um, I was very lucky because I was born in London uh, went to primary school in London then got taken back to Nigeria where it was a massive culture shock Mm. but but what I didn't realize was that having some formative years in Nigeria where the government looks like me um, everybody looks like me Mm. I never really encountered racism I mean to me it wasn't anything I had to think about in navigating those spaces. Mm. So then coming back to the UK, um, even if there was things like that, they were there, but to me, they're not, I just didn't think as a hindrance. Yeah, they're there, whatever, I'll find another way. So, and I was very lucky to have parents who were very hardworking, relentless. My dad was relentless. He was stubborn and he was so determined and so resilient. And even if you t- told him, yep, yeah, because uh, he was a, he was an engineer, a builder. And he, and if they said to him, oh, you can't build a building on that soil because it's clay or be, he would find a way. Mm-hmm. So he had that kind of brain where he found a way. So I think that's probably where I get it from and I'm just so happy that I get to explore because one of my things would be I don't want to die lying in my grave knowing I could have explored a hundred things yeah yeah that's not to say I there are a hundred things you explore I try to do them to the best of my ability so I do them well Mm. but at least explore whatever interests you and Mm. don't let the lack of money or the lack of connections don't let that stop you just go for it yeah my gosh there's so much that you touched on and I'm like you and I are like like humans a bit in mindset because yesterday one of the the first question at that event I was telling you about was about can you tell us a bit about what it's been like navigating corporate as a black woman or when we when and I I said you know I'm just going to I think that limits me yeah. And I said, I actually walk into a room as a human being because I really don't know how God chose. Did he choose me to be female first? Was it like, and then we'll make her black or, you know what, she, this person needs to be black. And then, you know what, just for the heck of it, let's make her, let's make them female. Right. Like, I don't know, but I do know that human was first, you know, and I walk into And that's, that so resonated with me when you, when you just said that, right. Because those are limiting those could potentially be limiting barriers that people impose on us, right? Um, in terms of, oh, well, as a Black woman, how did you do? No, as an amazing human with talent, 
So I mean, these are women with talent, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but then again, uh, again, when you do understand the, the systemic um, pressures and issues, that is a massive, massive story. I mean, and it's easy because, again, I say this as, say, African coming over to the UK um, or looking at the American, um, looking at ca uh, Canadian Blacks, American Blacks, UK Blacks, not understanding. Mm -hmm. But then once you get an understanding of the systemic issues and what it's like to grow up under that, it's mm -hmm. a completely different guess, shift yeah. and conversation. Um, but having said that, um, you're right. Um, for me, I say being Black is the least interesting thing about me. I've got, you know, other crazy things for you to discover. So if you want to, you know, base your judgment of me, by the way I look, please, you know, have at it. So your background is really quite unique and there's so many areas where I could just double click on. Um, but we're going to stick on the luxury side because that's where you are right now and growing and evolving. And so having built successfully built a luxury brand from scratch, can you actually share some key turning points or lessons from your journey that set you on the path to becoming a recognized expert in this in this area? Uh, yeah, uh, the first thing is the mindset I always have is a is a learning one, is a growth one. Mm. You can always learn about things. You can always uh, find out about things. Have a very curious mind. Um, yes, certain things are being gatekept and will be gatekept um, because not everybody wants to share. But thankfully, um, we're now in information age. Even if the information doesn't exist, you know, you can create it. That's what I tell people. So, for example, um, I remember during the pandemic, I was bored as we all were at home and I Googled diversity in luxury and I couldn't find anything. The only thing I found were a couple of papers by a couple of professors saying there isn't much diversity in the luxury space. And not just representation, which is a bit different. So we're not just talking about, you know, models or fashion designers, et cetera. We're talking about real um, diversity. And I thought, OK, let's go down this rabbit hole. So I went down the rabbit hole and then I realized that actually uh, women of color, black people per our income. So compared to our income, we actually spend the most on luxury. So if we're spending the most on luxury, so this is my thinking, this is how my process goes. So if we're spending the most on luxury, how come we don't have, um, do we have business founders, luxury business founders that are black? Do we have representatives at a certain level? Is it really true that brands aren't doing enough? So I took a deep dive and that's led me to something that I'm creating at the moment. So my point is I'm one of these people. Yes, um, there might be a lack in a sector. There might not be something working in a sector, but I will try and say, why not do something about it? Because I can easily write another paper complaining about the lack of diversity or complaining that, oh, this big group founded by this person has employed another um, designer that doesn't look like me, but I can actually say, you know what, how can I hold that person to account? How can I um, show this person that actually your audience, the people buying from you is made up of X, Y, and Z. So that to me is what I try to do. Hence, when um, Snoop Dogg joined LinkedIn, 
I just looked at him because I love doing that. I love looking at celebrities as mm. luxury brands. Mm. And I just did a deep dive into Snoop Dogg. And the one thing I love about him is that the reinvention, yeah. um, he also is so multifaceted, multi-talented, <laughs> a great, great, great rapper, his own style, own look, yeah. own, own goofiness, which he then uh, parlayed into an amazing brand. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, despite, because people might look at him and think, you know, and he's he interests me because I love when somebody's superpower is being underestimated. I love that. That is one of the greatest superpowers. And then how he goes into business, how he does things, how he has an amazing team around him. And despite the fact that he's one of the best known rappers, OG rappers in the world, he's still building his personal brand, hence joining LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So that really interested me. So I did a, a piece on him and I never thought any of his team, um, yes, they only left a fire emoji, but that fire emoji got more likes than the actual post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I then did another post about, guess what? Snoop Dogg responded to my post about him. <laughs> so, so my point is, you know, you can really build um, from a luxury perspective. And I, what I love now is that the way luxury is defined is completely different. In the old days, it was about opulence. It was about labels. It was about um, a conspicuous consumption. But now the way luxury is defined is very personalized, very individual. Um, and I always say to people, your luxury can be loud, it can be obnoxious, or it can be quiet and stealth. Yeah, yeah. You get to decide you get to decide. So that's what's exciting about luxury right now because yeah. there's a shift happening and I love, love, love where it's going. Yeah. So I was going to say Gen Z is known for its unique consumer behavior. And so could you actually maybe continue along those lines? Could you share some key insights into what drives the generation's preferences and choices in the luxury market and how does yeah. that differ from other generations? Yeah, so I will use myself as an example, use my mom as an example. So my mom, boomer, a boomer generation, yeah. they would save, to get anything luxury, they would save up um, and they followed the rules of luxury. So your linen has got to be Egyptian cotton, 300 thread count minimum. Um, your your um, linen, um, you know, Irish linen was the, you know, my mom was, obsessed with Irish linen because she believed it was the best for napkins, et cetera, et cetera. So that's her, those are the rules. You stick by the rules. They made the rules and they're very, very proud to be custodians of those rules. I'm Gen X. So Gen X is all about, um, in my day, I remember Elizabeth Taylor, she mm -hmm. probably made, she, she made so much money from her perfumes. My God, she, you know, all these perfumes. I remember there was uh, Christian, there was Poison, there was Anne, there was, you know, all these, you know. So again, my generation, we had an entry point into luxury. We mm -hmm. knew what the rules were and we were proud of obeying the rules mm -hmm. that were set by the boomer generation. So mm -hmm. as a Gen X, um, working, you know, with a Gen X, I often say to Gen Zs, 
if you want to work with a Gen X and Gen and a boomer, um, just make a show of saying to them, you know, the, you know, those rules that you set um, <laughs> because it's psychology. If they know you follow the rules, they love you. They, 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 they love you. Now, <laughs> then you have uh, millennials. Millennials started because there's um, between um, Gen X and millennials. Yeah. So millennials, millennials started questioning the rule book and they were all about, okay, we can rewrite the rules and we don't, you know, I mean, yes, there's this perfume, but what if I make my own perfume? What if I, so they started the what if conversations, the personalization, but what if I wanted it this way? And what if I, want? but they still followed the rules to a certain extent. Your Gen Z's on the other hand, they're looking at you thinking, what rule book? That doesn't serve me. They will tell you, your rule book doesn't serve me. These are my rules. So how can we serve each other? And yeah. the Gen, and Gen Z's want to make sure that um, they've, one thing I love about Gen Z's, they will research the, because information is at fingertips. In yeah. my day, I had to go to a dusty library yes, yeah. to find the information. But with the Gen Z's, the information is there and they don't believe everything you put on your corporate website. They don't. They will do a deep dive. And, and if you don't, um, if, you, if you're not walking your talk, they get very upset with you and they will name and shame. And they, they'll go on TikTok and put you on blast. So, <laughs> so that's if Gen Z's. But in terms of luxury, um, some studies show that they prefer experiences over things. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they want both. Mm -hmm. And I think they want both with the least amount of uh, struggle as possible. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, that's not to say that they don't work hard. They just work differently. Mm -hmm. So if you want, if you say to them, I want this done by six o'clock tonight, mm -hmm. that's the wrong thing to say. If you say to them, um, the deadline for the client is 6 a.m. tomorrow, um, have it to me before then, you might get it at 2 a.m. They might do like a 9 p.m. So it, their working is different. The way they look at things is different. Mm -hmm. And um, things that probably took me hours to do manually, they yeah. will find a hack and do it like that, especially yeah. anything technical. So it's interesting because right now in the workplace, we have five generations possibly in the workplace. And these are some of the things I talk about with corporates mm -hmm. is about how to how to get five generations working together yeah. mm -hmm. seamlessly without one being, well, without one being overly irritated with the other yeah. or yeah. making assumptions about the other. Yeah. So that is some of the Gen Z stuff that I talk about. Wow. So again, you, you give so much angles. I, I do have to have a personal question for you and then I'll go to my next question. That just uh, is a great late. Um, I'm going to go into the, the talks, like um, you going out and speaking at different um, organizations. Um, but first, I just want to ask you, with all the research that you've done and the insights that you've gathered, what have been some of the top changes that it, or influences has had on you as you um, and what shifts have you made as, you know, in your personal life related to luxury and what it means to you? Um, the first thing is um, not to be afraid to break the rules. So okay. personally, for me not to be afraid to have a controversial opinion, for example. You don't have to agree with it, but we can have a healthy, intelligent debate about it. And also not to generalize. 
because um, in breaking down, for example, I, I spoke about Gen Z as a you know generalization, but they're all different. So you might have a traditional Gen Z and a non-traditional Gen Z. You might have a gamer Gen Z. Yeah. So again, with my niece and my nephews, I've come to understand them slightly better. Um, you know, and there's a way we I, I can t- rather than so what are you up to? What are you doing? I can ask their opinion about certain things. So do you think X, Y, Z is blah, 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 blah? Or do you have another opinion? So again, the way I um, craft conversations is completely different because if you want a yes or no answer, you're not going to get a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. But if you craft it in such a way that, you know, give, given a different perspective and also there's something I'm setting up right now. Um, I'm, I'm uh, the, the Diversity in Luxury Awards that's going to be taking place uh, next year, January in London. Nice. I partnered with I partnered with uh, one of the best hotels in the world. So we're going to be bringing that and we're choosing every, literally I'm going to every continent and you're the first to hear this, by the way, I'm yeah. going to every continent in the world um, to choose luxury brands because luxury is just about culture yeah. as it is. Um, and sometimes us in the West, mm. we have a Western view of luxury. Mm. So with that, for example, my judging panel is not the typical judging panel. Mm. I, have, I have pretty young people on my panel. I have um, oldies like myself. I've got a really, really lovely mix, different industries. Um, I've got I've got a couple of professors. So my point is, um, if one of the youngest people on um, on my panel um, looked at the judging categories and said, actually, we need this category, and you know, he brought his perspective. So those are some of the things that's made me think in relation to when we're talking diversity. It's not just gender, race, sexuality. Mm-hmm. We're talking about age as well. We're mm. talking about culture and we're talking generational. So yeah. those, some of, you know, that's how my thinking has kind of evolved around that subject. Well, that's incredible. And then you're talking about your opportunity to speak at diverse locations around the world. So how do you adapt your message and insights to resonate with audiences from different cultural backgrounds and markets? Uh, number one, research. Um, some cultures um, are, are sometimes a bit more hierarchical, you know, hi, what's the word, hierarchical <laughs> than others. So they believe in, you know, the elders, et cetera, et cetera. So a bit of research um, so that my message does not offend. But having said that, I often start with, if you take a teenager from any continent in the world they understand the tick. So they all wear Nikes. They all have the iPhones or the Samsung. They all they all understand your Balenciagas, your Versace, Chanel's, Hermes. That is a universal language. So, and, and, that, and that brand is the same in any yeah, country, yeah. In language. Mm-hmm. That is a commonality, number mm-hmm. one. And they understand that. So mm-hmm. that's how I kind of like break the ice and then I dive into my message. Mm-hmm. And I, I seem to do really well. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you bring them to a common ground and then Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, that makes sense. So before I get into Rapper Thrivers, what parting luxury brand wisdom could you offer and share with our listeners? Um, that if you are, because I tend to work with people who have set up um, luxury brands or they're thinking of setting up a luxury brand. And I would say, um, in the old days, and actually this was a law of luxury, 
ignore what the uh, what the client wants and do your own thing is one of and i'm paraphrasing it was one of the golden 20 rules of luxury marketing or something you can't do that now so what i suggest that people do is start with the end in mind Mm. so i've um, identified at least eight different types of luxury client Mm. And eight different types based on psychographics and behaviors and how they buy, et cetera, et cetera. You need to think, okay, these are the types of clients I want to attract. What products will attract them while still adding your own flair? Yeah. So, so again, I know, um, but, but that, you know, luxury is different. The marketing is different. Um, having said that though, you need, we, as as a luxury brand, you need to position your client type because people tend to say to me, oh, Elizabeth, how do I find rich clients? And I'm like, no, that's the wrong question to ask. The right question to ask yourself is, what is the most value you've ever delivered to a client? What's the most outrageous value you've mm-hmm. ever given a client? And because I find that many brands that I work with, and I don't mean this in a horrible way, and they know I love them, I would say, your products are pretty mediocre. So if you're delivering something quite average, how do you expect to find the client that, so again, always start with the client in mind. And the experience that you want to offer. Exactly, exactly. Wow. You know, the, the, the whole client journey, map it out, yeah. So, yeah. well, you know, in 260 episodes, we've never delved into the topic of luxury brands. So this is fascinating to me. I can, I can keep going. My gosh. And uh, so I'm going to take you through some rapid drivers. Um, when you think of someone who inspires you, who comes to, who comes to mind first? Always Oprah. Mm. <laughs> always Oprah. My generation was always Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but recently it's been Meghan Markle. Oh, because, right, right. Forever. Yeah. Because I mean, to to take for a whole country mm. to be against you, and then you leave, they tell you to leave, you leave the country, and then they follow you to your new country. I mean, I I, I grace under pressure. Yeah. So she inspires me. Yeah, yeah. I would say I, I I exactly what you just said. I'm like, leave the girl alone. She 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 responded to the ask to leave, and now you want to. So after I realized she is an attraction to them. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what's a daily activity that helps you stay empowered? Oh, my meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, meditating, literally just clearing my mind, having an empty head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then maybe, maybe, but I tend to meditate better when I'm on a walk, when I'm either, I can't describe what I do as jogging. I try yeah. to. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's speed, speed walking. It's exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is the book that's helped you with your thrivers? I look at your bookshelf behind you. Um, the book that really, I think the book that really, you know, when something really shifts my mind, uh, was a rich dad and poor dad, um, Mm. that really got me thinking, um, I can't remember most of the content, but it got me thinking about business in a different way. So Mm. yeah, rich dad, poor dad, um, Mm. was a really, really good book for me. And what is an app that helps you with your thrive? Ooh, oh gosh what's my favorite app um oh god 
Will I be shallow to say TikTok? No, of course not. No, not at all. Especially if you use it to research yeah. and research. promote and yeah. Yeah, for me, um, actually, my TikTok is a mess right now. But what I love about TikTok are the different, and it's for me, it's being able to stand back and look at the different gurus. Mm. It's amazing. Anyone can be a guru on that Apple. (laughs) The different gurus, you know, the different. And also, but the one thing I do love is, uh, you know, the challenge back. So it's a passive app where people are challenging back and, You know, although it can sometimes become a bit toxic, mm. um, but I th- I do love, um, as a phenomenon, mm. I love TikTok. I love how it grew and grew and grew during yeah. the pandemic and where where they're kind of taking it right now is interesting journey. So yeah, I love TikTok. Okay. And uh, what is a misconception that people have of you as they see you in your Thrive, especially talking about luxury brands? What, uh, what might be some misconceptions? I remember somebody saying to me, so what do you know about luxury? Um, and, the, and you know, said in a really derisive manner because I didn't look like, I did not look, I did not meet, let me put it this way. I didn't meet her expectation okay. mm-hmm. of luxury. Let's put I it that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet her expectation of luxury. And that was when the phrase luxury can be loud, obnoxious, quiet, stealth again. um, But it then got me thinking that in a way, when we talk about systemic issues, people who've written about luxury tend to be male and they tend to be of a certain hue. So why, and I just had this, why not write about your luxury, your version of luxury for small business owners, for people who've set up, because you've set up a luxury brand, you've sold to billionaires around the world, you've been flown out, your cakes have been flown out around the world. Why not write about what makes a luxury brand or how to get high-end clients? And I've literally just done that. Um, The book's coming out next year by spring. (laughs) By spring, the book's coming out. But for me, I just find it very exciting that sometimes when people say certain things, it really triggers Mm. something because I was thinking, yeah, I love books and I've got a I've got a voice and I've got something valid and profound. Sometimes people tell me to say, so why not? Uh, So, yeah. So that's, you know, I don't know why I'm spilling all my plans on this podcast. (laughs) Everything's just coming out. I'm having too much fun. Well, you're getting, you're already getting some uh, some great interest, right? So everyone's like, when is it coming out? Pre-order, pre-order. So that's <laughs> awesome. So where do we find more of you online? Uh, best is LinkedIn. Um, so if you go Elizabeth Solaru on LinkedIn, you'll find me there. And every day I try to share some luxury insights. Yeah. So the other day was World Egg Day and I shared about Fabergé eggs. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're the, they're the eggs I would want. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So I try I know, to I, fun fun things about luxury every day. And what I actually love, and I will encourage everyone that's listening, is like like I said, it was a Snoop Dogg. It was the Snoop Dogg article that led me to you, and it's probably because I was following him. Because then I started following you after that, um, that it came up on my feed, and I and so I the other day another one you you're so insightful and it is an area that I'm not experienced with, but by the time I finished the article, I found even with Snoops, I was like, 
ah, okay. And even just how can I apply some of what you're calling out as great insights about people and, their, and, and in that particular case, like his uniqueness, I was like, oh, okay, I need to, I need to dip into some of that for myself. So anyway, keep doing it. Great content on LinkedIn. It's not, it's not typical. It is very unique, which I love and LinkedIn needs it. I love it. I love that you bring that unique dynamic there. So um, as a, as a, so, you, so this episode airs on December 14th, you've talked about an event in January, you have a book coming up. So, you know, to all our listeners, if there's any links that you could share with me, I'll put them also in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Thank uh, so you. as a parting question, um, this podcast is called empowered in my skin and would love if you would share, um, what that means to you. Oh gosh, um, being empowered to me means that I don't have to wait around to ask permission um, mm. to do to do what I to do what I feel is best for me and my brand. Mm. I think I again with my background, upbringing, um, and my generation, I had to ask for a lot of permission in the past. Um, you know, am I studying the right course? Is this the right thing? You know, what my parents want me to do, et cetera, et cetera. But right now, I'm so glad that I have the mental freedom, the emotional freedom to just go out there and do and also own my successes as well as my failures. Because sometimes being empowered also means you have to own your failures. And people people don't like talking about that's that that side of things. It's about taking absolute and complete responsibility for how things go. The buck stops with you. You have your one life. <laughs> You're not gonna live the same life again. Um, take advantage of every opportunity. And if opportunities are not coming your way, create those opportunities. So that is what I'm being empowered in my skin. That's what it means to me. I love it. And it's so I think it's been such an, a woven theme and um, through this podcast that I've really um, taken from you is you're constantly asking that question, why not? And exactly. you're exploring and, uh, and great things are happening as a result. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone that's been listening. And uh, this is where I say we're out. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. There you have it. I trust you are feeling more empowered in your skin. As the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you get, you give, when you learn, you teach. So it would mean so much for us at EIMS if you would share this episode and tag us or teach an insight that you took from today's episode on your socials and tag us. Feel free to leave us a review over at iTunes and follow us on social media at Empowered in My Skin. Finally, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you soon.